Thank you, team. Thank you, Caroline. It's beautiful. So it's almost here, right? Seven days, and it's Christmas morning. Um, you know, it's been hectic activity since probably August 1st for some. Uh, I remember I said, I think a few weeks ago in Sunday school, that I went into uh, Sam's the first week of August uh, to buy stuff for the church for fellowship. And um, the workers were putting out the Christmas decorations and all the Christmas stuff uh, the first week of August. And, and some of you actually start to buy your gifts then. I know people that will, you know, just chive to say, I am done, and it's only September. Now, when I was pastoring in Wilmington um, at Pine Valley, uh, there was a family, uh, I kind of mused at them because... Um, they, they really took to Christmas buying, but here's the way they did it. They would not buy a gift before the week before Christmas. They, they made it their just, you know, goal that they were not going to buy anything until seven days before Christmas. And here's the other thing. They would find some place on Christmas Eve that had some tree that was left, and they would buy their tree on Christmas Eve, and they would bring it home, and they would decorate it on Christmas Eve as a family. Now, maybe some of you have that um, you know, holiday tradition in some way, but I dare to say that most of us here this morning, and most that are online uh, watching us, would probably say at some point you're ready to be done with the secular side of Christmas. You want to take a breath. You want to sit down and just exhale and experience a little bit of peace. Just a little bit of peace. Shopping's done. Um, holiday you know, parties are done. And, and you just want to take a breath. Peace is an interesting concept. For most of us, we look at peace as uh, a lack of war or a lack of antis, uh, uh, antagonists or just uh, the, you know, wanting to be civil with each other and having uh, you know, this uh, civility. But I love one of the definitions that the dictionary gives, and it says, peace is a state of mutual harmony between either people or groups, especially when it comes to personal relationships. That's a great definition, and that's one that we probably would all espouse to. But I will tell you that Scripture has a different take on peace. This morning, the text that we're going to look at is a story that begins, at least in this text for today, with no peace. The main character who once had peace, once had joy, is now battling with a situation that has rocked his world. 
He no longer has peace within within himself. So if you'd like to follow along, this is Matthew. We're back in Matthew uh, this morning, and I'm going to start with verse 18 and read to the end of the chapter. Listen to this, the word of God. Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now when this took pl- now this to- all took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates, mean, translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds this morning for what you would hold for us through this, your holy word. I pray this in your name. Amen. Walter Brueggemann is an American Protestant Old Testament scholar and theologian. Um, He is widely considered one of the Um, influential Old Testament scholars of especially the last several decades. Often his work would focus on Hebrew prophetic traditions. He's written some 150 books. If you have uh, been a part of any seminary, this is a name that you would know. In his book, Praying the Psalms, Brueggemann writes that we often find ourselves in one of these three places. He says, first, orientation, where everything makes sense to us and we are comfortable. Disorientation, where nothing makes sense and we are extremely uncomfortable. And then reorientation, where God where we find God directing us into a new reality and a sense of peace. I think Joseph experienced all three of these realities, these perspectives, as he came together with his wife or engaged with Mary and as he went through this task this dream, this 
um, issue that he faced, this crushing almost uh, to him, to his spirit that he would face. But I think first we have to look at his orientation, as Brueggemann puts it. It is a place that everything makes sense and where you find comfort. Because you see, before he had dreamed this dream of our text, where God came to him, he had dreamed of Mary. He had dreamed of them longing to be together. He had this gold before him. He had officially been engaged to her. And we know that that entails where some type of diary is given. And whether it's Joseph or his parents has given Mary's parents this diary for her. And often in this culture... There was arranged marriages. Uh, We aren't sure whether they were just arranged by the parents, and maybe Mary and Joseph, you know, did not know each other well. But maybe they did. But what we do know is that they were engaged. And this long-term engagement that would last somewhere around a year, Joseph was to plan. Joseph was to get ready. Joseph was to prepare. His orientation was that he had a sense of peace. He was comfortable. He knew what to do. He knew what the future would would be. His plan was ahead of him. He probably dreamed about what would take place as they would come together and have children. Maybe he even had goals of, hey, maybe I can have a boy that I can train to be in my trade and be a carpenter. He probably dreamed about raising his children, his family, in the fear of Jehovah God. Because you see, this text tells us that Joseph was a righteous man. Even though a young man, we are told he was righteous. The likelihood is is that he was probably 17 or 18 years old. Probably a latter teenager of his time. And Mary somewhere around 12 to 13 in age. But yet, we're told that Joseph is a righteous man. We are told in the scripture, as you look at Luke, that Mary found favor with God. This is the couple that God chose to bear his son. We often, I think, find ourselves in this orientation. We, we find ourselves... Um, that things seem to make sense. Uh, things seem to be comfortable. There, there are times in our life where things are going the right way. We set our goals. We, we look to the future. Maybe we have met the love of our life. Uh, maybe our plan is for children, our desire to take care and have a job. Maybe we have come to a point in our life where we are comfortable and things make sense because we're ready for retirement or we're in retirement and we find ourselves at some type of rest. We set goals, we make them, sometimes we obtain them. But then sometimes disorientation comes. For Joseph, 
the disorientation happened. Things happened that just did not make sense to him. Things happened that made him uncomfortable. His dreams, his plans in his mind were just shattered. In verse 18, Matthew tells us, before they came together, in other words, they had been engaged, but before they came together as husband and wife, Mary was found to be with child. Now that verse continues and says by the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But here Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. And he knows it's not his child. We don't know how he found out. Maybe Mary told him. Maybe Mary called him aside and told him what she was told by the angel. But, but what we do know is that he found out, and he knew it, he was not the father, and in his mind, at least at this point, he thought, this woman's committed adultery. Because you see, even in the engagement period, for her to put her aside, for him to put her aside at this time, would mean he would have to divorce her. And certainly that would be something that might be announced publicly. Some would have taken to the airway of announcing Mary's sin. But Joseph loved Mary. His disorientation brought him to a place where he wasn't sure what to do. He had two things battling in him. One of those was that he was a righteous man. And he couldn't in good conscience with knowing what he knew, marry her. But the other side was, because he was righteous and loved her, he could not bear the thought of shaming her. And to be honest with you, he knew, certainly everyone that was Jewish knew Deuteronomy 22. And the fact is, is for adultery, she could be stoned. She could be killed. But that's not what Joseph wanted. In fact, the scripture in no way, in any way, tells us that he felt anger towards her or he felt resentment or bitterness towards her. Certainly there was some shame on his part. Here is his betrothed bride that he finds out is with child and he knows it's not his. But he still doesn't want to disgrace her. He doesn't want to publicly expose her for what he considers her sin. And so the scripture, Matthew tells us that he planned to send her away secretly he planned to send her away secretly now in Joseph's mind the dream of Mary and the family were over his world had been rocked maybe you have been at a place of disorientation in your life where you have faced some situation where your plan didn't go the way you had planned it. 
maybe sickness has come into play where you have re, had to redirect yourself. I was going to live here, and this was going to be my job, and I was going to live happily ever after, and all of a sudden something happens that causes you to have to move or to look in another direction. You have become disoriented. Maybe your dreams of living with that special person or having that special job has come to an end. And you too come to a place of Joseph. Joseph probably thought, what's next? How do I handle this situation? What is the answer to this? Do I, do I make a makeshift plan to move forward in some way? It seems that that's what he was trying to do. Because certainly at some point in time, even, even pushing her aside secretly, people were going to know that Mary was pregnant. They would see that she was with child. And they would wonder why Joseph was not in her life. Maybe you have experienced that trying to come up with what is next. In the midst of Joseph's disorientation, things not making sense, not being comfortable with trying to know how to move forward rightly and righteously in the midst of his disorientation, God showed up and reoriented him. God showed up and reoriented him. An angel of the Lord came to, to Joseph. And he came to Joseph and the angel talked to Joseph, told him what was going on. He did not talk back. He did not object. He did not say, why me? He didn't say, I'm not worthy. He didn't say any of that. Joseph simply listened to what God was saying. And God told Joseph what to do how to move forward. You remember that definition of being reoriented? It is that God directs this new reality, this new transformation. God leads us into where God wants us to go. And here Joseph simply did what God told him to do. He was obedient. He was told to take Mary as his wife. And he did. He did exactly what he was told. Now, we can't just, um, you know, breeze over, as I said, the latter part of verse 18, or what is said in verse 20. We are told in both 18 and verse 20 that this was a virgin birth. 
The child that Mary is carrying is God's son. The angel says that the Holy Spirit, this is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know that again in in the angel coming to Mary that she's told she would be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and conceive a son. We know that this is prophesied about in Isaiah 7.14, in Genesis 3.15. We know the prophecy of the conception of the Messiah, what God intended. And this would be his son, not son of man, son of God. Living fully human as the son of man. You see, you cannot overlook the Messiah, Jesus, being fully human and fully divine. Many today deny the virgin birth. And to deny the virgin birth is to deny Jesus' divinity. To deny the virgin birth is to deny his sinlessness. To deny Jesus' was of the virgin birth is to say that the sacrificial lamb for the sins of the world was nothing more than a mere human. If he was only human, then he could not have been sinless or perfect or the perfect sacrifice. So when someone tells you that Oh, I I believe that Jesus was was a man, but he was not the son of God, and that he was Joseph's son or some other man's son. To, To say and deny the virgin birth is to say that you are not a Christian because you are trusting in a man and not God. And when you trust in man, that's a failure. It is Jesus, the Son of God, who came to save the world from their sin. It is Jesus who went to the cross because he was the perfect sacrifice for the world's sin. Joseph, in this dream, he's told that you're going to take Mary as your wife and you're going to have a name for this child. He, the, the angel tells Joseph, there's a new name and there's a purpose for this child. It's not just that Mary's going to have a child and you're going to live happily ever after. The angel tells Joseph, you're going to name this child Jesus. And he will save the people from their sin. This This angel's message reoriented Joseph. In in the grandeur of what he was being told, it was something that he would have never imagined. He could have never imagined that he would be chosen to be the earthly father of the Christ child. This child who came to change the world. This child who would come and and reorient everyone that would believe in them. I said that peace in scriptural terms is totally different than what worldly peace looks like. 
And here, when, when the Christ child entered the world, peace entered the world. And when the Christ child enters us, transformation happens. We are different than what we were. This Christ child came to save those who would believe in him. Now, much of the time, I think that there's some and even the church at times, they don't like reorientation or that change because we are set in our ways and we have traditions, we have things that we like to follow. And and to be reoriented means that transformation has to take place, that transformation is a must. It means that you have to give up something. You have to surrender something that you really love and want to hold on to. Because you see, Jesus has to be Lord. And to be Lord is to be Lord over all things of your life. Joseph was up for it. Verse 24 tells us he awoke, he did what the angel commanded him, he took Mary as his wife, and he kept her a virgin until Jesus was born, until the very Son of God was born. Plans and dreams were changed. His outlook was changed. His desire for peace returned. And it was because of God. It was because of the Christ child that would come. It was not because of things within the world. We get caught up, I think, thinking, how can I fix my disorientation when in essence Jesus told us exactly how to be reoriented John 14 27 reads this way it'll be on the screen peace I leave with you my peace I give to you I do not give as the world gives to you do not let your hearts be troubled do not let them be fearful or your version may say do not Let it be afraid. You see, this is the farewell discourses as John begins, uh, as John uh, records and and writes what the Holy Spirit has given him. as, As John hears Jesus, that reminder of as he's in the upper room and hearing Jesus teach right before his death, John Hears, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. If our desire is to live in peace, and our desire is not only to have peace inside of me, but to live in peace with one another, it takes Jesus Christ. It takes the indwelling Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I give it, not as the world gives. And then he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be fearful or be afraid. 
And I will tell you, if you are having fear this morning, if you are fearful about what this world is about and what is going on throughout this world, you need to turn to Jesus. You need to count on him because that is where our peace lies. I have seen so many Christians that are just bound up in fear. It it lets that anxiety just grab hold of them. And that's not what Christ wants from us. He wants us to live into this peace that he offers. God is calling us to something different than the world. In fact, I would say God is calling us to something different than we could ever imagine in our lostness in ourself. Now, I'm not talking about sacrificing the word of God or the truth of God or not proclaiming the uh, salvation in Jesus Christ. I'm actually talking about how God will use us, how God in this peace will help us in his purpose and will to transform a lost world. Jesus came that the world would be changed through him. And for some just awesome reason, he has chosen those who come to faith in him to be a part of that. He uses us as believers to share this good news. The angel says, this is what the prophet said. The child will be conceived, born of a virgin. And his name will be Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And this came true. Joseph experienced everything that the angel of the Lord had shared with him. His faith was quieted. He was faithful and submitted to the call of God. Abandoning the old dream. Abandoning that what he thought was going to be the future. Joseph now was changed. He was transformed because of God. Joseph presented his son Jesus for circumcision in eight days. We're told that Joseph took his son Jesus and his wife Mary and fled to Egypt to protect the child. We are told that at 12 years old, Joseph carried his son Jesus and his wife to Jerusalem for the Passover. This is the story where Jesus is left in the temple. What we don't know is what happened following that with Joseph. The scriptures do not tell us. Somewhere between, you know, 12 years old and 30, when Jesus started his ministry, Joseph must have died. At the foot of the cross, it is Jesus who looks at John and entrusts his mother to him. But what we do know is this about Joseph. He was faithful. He was obedient. He was a righteous man who listened to God. 
transformation happens when those things are attributes of who we are. When we listen and we trust God, we surrender to him and say, yes, God, I believe in your son as my Lord. And as we do that, the work begins. We begin to understand as we listen to the Holy Spirit, God's purpose and will for us. And I will tell you folks, that is exactly when peace begins to enter into your heart and enter into your life. And others are able to see that peace that you have, not like the world. Fear is gone. And this given peace comes in and floods our hearts, takes over our very soul, because Emmanuel, God with us, is living in us. And we experience a peace that the world just does not understand. So let me tell you a story to kind of wrap it up about this peace. There were two brothers, Will and John. Will was the oldest, John was the youngest. They were just uh, about a year apart, a little over a year apart. They were raised in a Christian home. Um, They were brought up in the church. Um, They were close. They, They loved each other as they were growing up because of how close they were in age. They went to college, one one year, one the next year, and as they were in college, they befriended a young lady, both of them, and because of both of their desire for the young lady, they became at odds with each other. Now, neither one of them got the girl, but what happened was, It had fractured their relationship. For the next 20 years, Will and John never spoke. Until. They both had married. They both had families. And John and his wife had a a daughter And at age 15, she had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And of course, they both were devastated. John and his wife had lived a Christian life, had brought their children up in a Christian home. Will, on the other side, had saw no need to raise his family for God. It's not that he was an atheist, he just saw no use for Christianity. But this shook Will when his parents called him and said, your brother John's daughter, Julie, has terminal cancer. And so he called his brother and said, could we meet for coffee? And of course John said yes. And as they met and they had coffee, they never spoke about what had transpired earlier in their life. Their focus around that cup of coffee was Julie. 
And as their meeting ended, Will got up, and before he left, he turned to his brother and said, I just don't understand. I, I don't understand how you can be so calm. I, I don't understand what sense of peace you have about this. I would be angry at God if it was my daughter. I would be lashing out at God. They parted ways that day. A few months down the road, Julie went to be with the Lord. What the doctors had said came to fruition. At the funeral, which Will attended, John stood up and he shared about his 15-year-old daughter's faith and how even in the midst of the disease that ravished her body, how she knew who she was. And she had a peace about where she was going. And John shared his wife and, and his faith about understanding what it meant to be in Christ. That day at the celebration of life for his daughter, he was able to say, you see, we will grieve over her loss. We didn't want her to die, but we know where she's at, and we know that she's cured, and we know that she's well, and she'll never experience anything that this world could lash on her. He shared his faith. The following day, he received a call from Will. And Will asked to meet with him again over a cup of coffee. But this time, as they sat down, there were tears rolling out of Will's face, and what he said is, I need to ask your forgiveness. I didn't answer any of your calls. I didn't return any of your letters or emails. I was angry and mad for 20 years. And I want to ask your forgiveness. And of course, John forgave his brother. But that was not the end of the conversation. Will looked at his brother and said, I want to know that peace that you have, that my niece had. I want to know that peace. Can you explain it to me? Before the coffee was over and drunk and before Will left, that day just by simply sharing his faith, the brother John in that moment shared the good news and his brother Will came to faith and surrendered his life to Christ. You see, it's people 
in the world just do not understand. They don't understand how this peace can be in us, how we can be reoriented and and have such a peace even when dreams are shattered and things happen and, and, and even loved ones taken away, that we can, in this given peace by the Christ child, can say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. That's what he did and that's what he does. And this coming weekend, on Saturday and Sunday, we will celebrate again the birth of this Christ child. But I will tell you, this is something that we should not celebrate just one time a year. Celebrating the coming of the Christ child. Especially celebrating the coming of the Christ child in us, in me. Make it personal. We should celebrate daily. Every day that your feet hit the ground, you should be thankful for the peace of Christ has entered the world. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you how sometimes... You know, even in the world, we live in the orientation of things are great and we're comfortable. But Father, somewhere along the road, disorientation comes and we are uncomfortable and we're uncertain and we are trying to make sense of what is going on. And Father, when we surrender to you in that moment, when we surrender to you in all things, in all ways, you enter and reorient And direct us to focus on you. Thank you, Father, for that. We thank you for the peace that the Christ child brings. We thank you, Father, that every day we can live in in peace and not fear. Our hearts do not have to be troubled. So, Father, I pray that if any of us are in fear, we would lean into you and release that fear. I pray, Father, that each of us individually and as a church, Father, we would not only experience your peace, but, Father, we would share your peace that has transformed who we are. Oh, Father, thank you. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen. As we come to...